Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. everyone. You are listening to Red Sea Roundup and I am your host today, Pam Marvin. Joining me in the studio today is our station manager, um, Thaddeus Romanski. Good morning, Thaddeus. Good morning, Pam. I'm a little rough on the on this voice this morning. Okay, I won't pick on you then, I promise. <laughs> you never pick on me. I never look at it as you oh, picking on me. Oh No, ma'am. Well, I'm so very happy to be back here after a beautiful holiday season. Um, the Christmas and New Year's was just beautiful. The blessings upon our family. And I pray that all of you had a beautiful time as well. Very blessed time uh, with New Year's. A Holy Mother of God celebrating her is just always so beautiful. Um, we got to have a white Christmas, so that was really awesome and um, getting refreshed in the spirit and looking forward to 2020. So I had this kind of a thought about 2020 um, that was given to me by one of my very dear friends who said, let us in the year 2020 have a crystal clear vision focused on Christ, which I really love. So I uh, I want to start out that that with a theme of crystal clear vision on Christ. And I'm going to be continuing with my theme of human formation and those things that uh, I feel like as um, the lay faithful need to increase in uh, different types of virtues, the cardinal virtues, you know, obedient, well, not, that's not a cardinal, but justice and prudence. Um, Obedience has really been a big one. I haven't done one on obedience. And so I'm really praying about that. So if you know someone who who really feels like um, called to talk about the uh, the virtue of obedience to please let me know. I think that is one um, in these day and times that we really need to revisit. I also am looking forward this year to doing a second part. Um, many people have asked me to have my husband on again, Paul Marvin, to talk about um, spiritual warfare with the family. It is continuing to grow and flourish um, under my roof as we have... Um, got some deliverance prayers for the laity and have been starting out this new year trying to um, really eradicate those woundedness, parts of our woundedness that hold us back or that we may buy some lies. We want to rebuke those lies and, and move on and become the people of God that he's really, really been calling us to be. With that said, um, I am really looking forward to hearing just a little bit more Thaddeus about um, the family retreat that um, the radio station is going to be putting on. And let me just start that by saying I uh, feel very thankful and have a lot of gratitude that the Red Sea, the Red Sea Apostolate, and most people don't really understand that the radio station is really just one component of this apostolate um, that is the family. And, and that is my calling in ministry too. And what I do with uh, fertility care is, is building holy families and the fact that I get to play even a part of that in the radio station 
and with this retreat. So tell me when the retreat is and kind of what that mission for the retreat is. Yeah. So our family retreat, our third annual family retreat is back. We did it in 2017 and 2018 with the cooperation of St. Anthony's Catholic Church and Brian. Had great turnout. We were very, very pleased with those those two first initial attempts. And then we took a, took a break in 2019. We had a family fun day in the summertime um, here in College Station. And we had some, had about uh, 15 families come out and, you know, play outside and have um, hot dogs and just, just get together. And we, and we prayed the um, Divine Mercy Chaplet at the end of the afternoon with Beautiful. Monsignor McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. And so now we're going to come back in 2020 with another installment of our Red Sea Family Retreat. And that's going to be March 6th and 7th, Friday and Saturday. So Friday evening um, on on the 6th and then on the 7th, Saturday from about 8 until 5. Um, we're doing it this year, though, in collaboration with St. Thomas Aquinas. So it's going to be over at St. Thomas Aquinas. We're going to be doing it in cooperation with their youth ministry team. So we're going to still have the young the the young person and children uh, tracks and we're going to have the nursery for the little ones. So it's, it's, you know, bring your whole kitten caboodle Mm. to the, to the family retreat on March 6th and 7th at St. Thomas Aquinas. And I'm very uh, happy about the theme that we chose. It's called living the little way is the theme. And that may sound familiar to some of you who know a little bit or a lot about St. Therese of Lisieux, we're looking at how to integrate her spirituality that's often summed up as the little way. Right. Uh, Her most famous book is The Story of a Soul, and she goes into uh, that mode of spirituality and prayer and Mm. contemplation at length in that book. Not, I don't, wouldn't say necessarily systematically, but by just kind of telling her spiritual, you know, journey. But we want to we want to give uh, people some opportunity to pause and think about, okay, who was this great saint? What is Theresian spirituality? Right. What is the little way? Um, how do I become little in my family? Whether I'm the parent, what does that mean to be little as the as the parent? What does that mean to be little as the child? Right. And then some, you know, hopefully some, some practical suggestions, uh, conversation about integrating that kind of spirituality into the, um, into the family. We're still pulling together our speakers for the, the family retreat, which again is March 6th and 7th at St. Thomas Aquinas in College Station. Whether you're a Waco listener, a Palestine listener, or a Bryan College Station listener, everyone is welcome. There's an individual cost, $10. There's a $35 cost for families. We know as you're talking about that. Lunch and breakfast provided. Awesome. Reminded that her parents were the only two canonized parents. So I think even bringing in a component of... um, learning more about them. So, I mean, I'll self-appoint myself to 
to read up more about Zeli and Louis, is it? Louis and Zeli Martin. L- yes. Yeah, we, we plan to integrate mm-hmm. them into what we talk about and we're going to make them a part of the retreat as well. Yes, because Beautiful. They, they certainly give a great model of what that looked like. And one would think that she must have learned something about right. the little way from her parents. We, you know, as you're saying that too, a big part of her life was also her older sisters. And I think that's also beautiful when we talk about the integration of family life and how older siblings, because for those of us who have larger families, I can see the significant role that an older sibling um, can play in a younger sibling's life on a personal and spiritual level. I'm seeing that take place in my own home with uh, my beautiful daughter, Mary Marvin Hall living back at home. But of course, Therese had her older sister, Celine as well, that was really ministering to her as even a parent and as a spiritual aspect of it. So that's definitely this multi kind of generational. I also say that's one of those hidden uh, truths about large families that we don't know unless it's lived out in your home. And so I love getting to talk with my uh, friends who have large families who uncover those kind of things. Too. Yeah. Um, my wife and I were visiting about St. Therese just last night doing some, some preparatory work for the retreat. And I came across a great um, three spiritual fundamentals. I would, I guess I would describe them as that she laid out for herself at one point. And she said, um, first of all, she was going to work on her her pride, controlling her pride or mastering her pride. Second, she was going to devote herself to the Blessed Mother, and she was specifically going to do that by praying the Memorare every day. And third, I think this was maybe the best the best thing for me, she vowed to never get discouraged, mm. never to never lose, lose hope, never to despair in the spiritual life, never to despair or get discouraged in the walk of striving for holiness, striving for personal virtue. Right, right. Um, gosh, you know, we see that at work so much in the iconography of the way of the cross right? That Christ falls down three times and he gets back up each time and keeps carrying his cross. And, you know, that's what I've always taken that as that's what I'm supposed to do. Sure. Perseverance. When I, when I, when I fall, when I fail, I have to, I have to get back up, leave that, you know, that part of the, that part of the path that I've already trod, that's behind me. And I have to get back up and I have to keep going towards Calvary. I have to keep going towards my, my goal. And I can't, I can't, uh, be deterred by the, the, by the, by the falling down that I've, that I've had. And so to, to hear, or to, sorry, to read that, you know, a great saint like that said, one of the most important things I have to do is to not be discouraged was very revealing to me. And I, gosh, you know, that's so important in our families um, that our children know to not be discouraged about, you know, their development, sure. personal development, their, 
their social development and, and what happens with their, their schooling, what happens with their friendships, all the ups and downs of all that. So true. And learning how to process process all of those things in a very healthy way is, you know, our job as parents as well. And, and one of the things I've done uh, recently that really has helped um, when we start to dwell too much on our errors, and I say this with my teenage children in, in particular, we came up with this uh, beautiful saying called, um, well, it's, it's Spanish, but it, I love it. It's siempre adelante. And I don't remember which saying I heard it from, but it's always forward. Mm. Always forward. So you're not dwelling on um, the negative, obviously, that may have happened because we are going to fall. Um, but to remember, so we have like a cute little thing when someone's starting to get a little bit discouraged. We actually go through this. You can't see me right now, but we have this whole arm movement. So siempre adelante. Mm. Raise our arms and say like always forward. So um, little things like that really help to lighten the mood, especially when we're being taking ourselves too seriously. Yeah. So again, <clears throat> we kind of we kind of went off into talking about the theme pretty pretty deeply there. But this again is if you're just joining us on Red Sea Roundup on Red Sea Catholic Radio, eighty-eight point five FM in the Brazos Valley, ninety-eight point three FM KYAR in the Central Texas area, and one hundred seven point nine KINF LP in Palestine, Texas. We are talking about the Red Sea Family Retreat that's going to be happening March 6th and 7th at St. Thomas Aquinas in College Station in collaboration with that great, great parish. And another little just wrinkle to add in there, the 7th of March is the feast day of St. Thomas Aquinas on the old liturgical calendar. Really? And so St. Thomas Aquinas is going to be having a mass in the extraordinary form on that Saturday. And so we are going to, we are just going to join in sort of piggyback on that mass. And so that, that mass is going to be the mass that we have for the family retreat. We're going to participate. That same weekend. Yeah. Oh, we're going to participate in that, in that extraordinary form Beautiful. mass, which is neat too, because you know, that would have been, that was the mass that St. Therese of Lisieux knew. Right. That's beautiful. And so many of us are fascinated by it too. And um, drawn to it. Mm -hmm. As a matter of fact, I am very thankful. I'm going to say this really quickly that my mother-in-law has been away from the church for many, many, many years, but she has told us that she would be happy to go to the Latin mass. I'm really looking forward to getting back to see, to do that with her. Um, you know, real quick, I just want to mention two more things around town. One is, um, the dynamic parish town hall event is St. Tom, excuse me, at St. Joseph. That's going to be going on tomorrow night. And also at St. Joseph, they're um, supporting the Catholic school and the purple and gold banquet on Saturday, February 8th. But uh, for now, folks, I would like for you to hang on while we go to the station break. And after that, we'll be talking to sister Chelly um, after the break. Welcome, welcome, welcome back. You are listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio, KEDC, 
88.5 FM in the Brazos Valley and KYAR 98.3 FM in Central Texas and KINF 107.9 FM in Palestine. So welcome, welcome. My guest today is Sister Celestina Menin. Good morning. Of the Apostles of the Interior Life. Good morning, Sister. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've really been wanting to to get you on the air. I, I find that um, your charism of the Apostle of the Interior Life just lends so much um, depth and knowledge that we as lay people really want to 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 be a part of your teaching and and your kind of your apostolic heart to to teach us more and um, so thank you and welcome. Thank you, Pam, for inviting me. Very glad to be here with you. Oh, well, I'm so thankful <laughs> that we get to talk about um, in this new year the incarnation of Christ. I know we're a little bit out of the Christmas season, but this is something for us to contemplate all year long is Jesus' incarnation. Yes, that's the beauty of that. We celebrate Christmas, that is the beginning. You know, with Advent, we start the liturgical year. And uh, and so we allow then the mystery of incarnation to really unfold into the ordinary time and life. So rather than being finished on the 26th of December, right? Uh, instead, we are just beginning to dive into that a little more. And mm-hmm. we let that unfold. The beauty of the liturgical year is that as we go over and over every year on the same <clears throat> feast and solemnities, we're never in the same place when we go back. It's like a spiral where every year we're going a little deeper if we allow really the Holy Spirit to work with us. So every time we celebrate that solemnity, there will be more received uh, in terms of understanding and experience in our lives. Exactly. And so hopefully that will impact our lives. Right. The, I, the way you said it is so true. I'm, I, as a convert, I, the seasons um, that are a part of the liturgical year uh, in the church are it's just so profound to me. I think is the long, I mean, I've been Catholic now for 27, 28 years, and I still am very um, in awe of the brilliance of this seasonal aspect of it because I find that it, my faith life does too um, correlate with it. But today you've chosen to talk primarily on the incarnation, and we'll, we'll dive into some other things as well. But tell me why you decided to, to, to talk about that today. It's been a reflection, actually, that is not just connected with the season and just finished, but um, just since my pilgrimage in the Holy Land, I have to say that two years ago, that was very powerful as an experience to be in the very places where Jesus has walked and talked and died and was risen. And uh, every place brought with it a specific grace. So it was not the same to place, to pray up on Calvary or in the sepulcher. It was not the same to pray in Nazareth or in Bethlehem. Every place brought to it the Mm. specific grace of that mystery of the life of Christ. Mm. And I remember that praying in Bethlehem, um, you go in, of course, there's a lot of excitement and it's beautiful. But after a longer time of prayer that I started realizing, wow, this place is actually ugly. You know, it's just a cave and it's dark. Um, There's nothing really beautiful for a baby to be born here. And it really brought to my heart all the limitations that we experience in our human life. Mm. The personal uh, limitations and obstacles that we encounter and just the limitations of relationships, of the situations we encounter. And I was thinking, oh my goodness, God, I just try to run away from them constantly. And you came all the way. 
you chose to come exactly into all of those limitations and into our humanity. Mm. You just embraced it. It was very comforting and consoling to know that he that could choose not to go there actually wanted to enter it. And so that has been accompanied me also because I, I do spiritual direction and it's just such a, a great gift and blessing to be able to walk with people, you know, and just have a glimpse of their hearts. And I realize how it's a common struggle for all of us to actually embrace our humanity. Uh, of course, we are made for heaven, and so we aspire to perfection. We want perfect love. We want ourselves to be in that place of perfect harmony and being in tune with the will of God all the time. We want perfection in relationships. That's because we're made for heaven. Um, of course, our experience here on earth is not like that yet. <laughs> <laughs> so true. Right? And so it's so difficult to just embrace it. We make perfection our own endeavor. We want to fix ourselves and others and situations. Um, and so this reflection on incarnation is just realizing that God actually entered our humanity. He chose to be limited in space and time and uh, to experience everything that we experience, of course, except sin. Well, sister, that as, as a spiritual guide that you are, when you are discussing this exact point and trying to lead a soul to kind of understand um, how much we need God, and that's part of our humanity, how do you tr try and walk them through those steps? Yeah. What is that like? In simplicity, it means this, is to enter and be in touch with our hearts. Mm. God entered our humanity and we run away from it and from our hearts most of the time. So there are different ways we do that. Uh, distractions is a big uh, thing, especially in our era and with all the technology and the many things that we can just give ourselves to. Um, so distractions, but also fear. There's a fear of looking at our hearts and seeing what's not good and then thinking I'm not good enough, I'm unworthy. And so we rather stay out of that place mm. and not stay in our heart. But then we live a little bit of a disconnected life because we're not in touch with ourselves. But our heart is the place where God dwells. And so when I, with him, enter it, then I can be in touch with myself, my heart, and then with him. Now, we are afraid of what we could find there. Right. You know, the, the defects, the sins, the wounds. But that's not the ultimate level of our heart anyway. Yes, that is there. But at the heart of our heart, there's light because we have been made by God. Mm. There's a goodness and it's, it's presence there. So in simplicity, how do you do that? A little way that I suggest is when, when life happens and we become aware of something being uncomfortable, painful or... To just be able to just pause, come Holy Spirit, mm. what's going on in my heart? And not being afraid of name it. Mm -hmm. But of course, to be able to do that, we need just a little bit already of being anchored in the Lord, right? Because exactly. nobody would go anywhere in their hearts or their story or their experiences, especially what has been painful, without having a little bit of presence of God and his love. Mm -hmm. um, but when you know that you are loved, then you can face different things. You can name them. Um, I have kind of a, one of those times I kind of realized about in a leaning into that kind of fear in that moment was the first time I ever went on a silent retreat 
there were so many voices in my head. It's like you're saying, you don't belong here. This is for mm-hmm. holy women. The Lord's going to reveal to you how horrible you are. I mean, I had all these things. But in that fear, I chose a vulnerability because this I knew Christ desired it for me. So it was more of overcoming through the, an act of the will to say, no, I'm going to go f- into this discomfort, just like you're saying, and open up a certain amount of vulnerability. But what did I discover? Oh, he wanted to love me more grandly than I could have imagined. So I think the vulnerability to the spirit yeah. is also a very big yeah. part of Those it. voices that we hear, right? You're not good enough. You'll discover something not good. Um, they discourage us. And the fact that we find ourselves discouraged and without peace, that's a sign that's not the Holy Spirit speaking. Mm. Now, we are on a journey home. The last thing the Lord wants is to discourage us and give up on our journey. So the Holy Spirit is all about encouraging us. We can persevere on the journey home. Mm. Whereas, of course, you know, St. Ignatius would call the evil spirit, the flesh, the world, and uh, the devil. So they conjure up for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they the whole point is to discourage me. So, of course, the enemy is afraid of us going into our hearts, of us going on a retreat, of us praying. Prayer is so powerful, so powerful. that there is a whole, you know, array of good reasons not to do that, of mm. course. And so those voices are just a sign that we are in the right place, doing the right thing. They become counter signs if we're able to read them like that. Right. So again, going back to um, how to enter into that, I think you said simplicity (laughs) and I think a sweet amount of vulnerability to the spirit. And I think also um, recognizing those lies too, uh, when they come into play is a really good uh, way to start too. So how do you encourage people to distinguish? I mean, you were just saying though that, you know, if it leads you to feel small or it's a discouraging, it's not from God. So... When I become aware of something that is happening in my heart, whatever that might be, especially if it's something that I would judge myself upon, right? Oh, I'm feeling anger or jealousy or I'm like being upset now about something. There are two things we do usually. One, we go into self-judgment or we go into fixing mode or both. And none of them is a recommended movement. (laughs) I would suggest that the best thing we can do is expose it to the Lord. So this is, just name it. This is what I'm experiencing. This is what's going on. Even if I don't understand it all. And Jesus, I give it to you. Speak your word upon it. Because you are the judge, not me. Mm. And uh, you see my whole heart. And you see also where these feelings and experiences are coming from. We're not bad. They come from somewhere. Most likely from wounds or experiences. So they can also, in the light of the Holy Spirit, tell us a lot about our hearts and what the Lord is trying to say and do with us. So the simplicity of saying, this is what's going on, Jesus, I give it to you. Can you speak your word? Now, I understand that, of course, we first need to be trained a little bit also in spending some time with the Lord every day, right? So there's, there's an attitude of silence and prayer. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be complicated. It could be as simple as just some silence and reading the gospel, receiving his word. Um, so... But being able to pause when something happens in me mm-hmm. and just name it and give it to the Lord, it's so freeing. Relationships that are like trusted friendships help us a lot. Spiritual direction too. You know, when the yes. person comes to me and 
and they give whatever they give and they see they are still loved, it's so freeing actually to know that whatever is happening, I'm loved. So true. Mm-hmm. Sister, I have, you know, you're saying take the pause. Um, I have something, one of the things that's very similar that I do. When my children were very small, there was a, a little kind of a, a nursery rhyme about crossing the street that said, stop, look, and listen before you cross the street. Okay, first you use your eyes, your ears, and then your feet. It's a little rhyme, right? Well, I started to apply that to my spiritual life exactly when I was having the disquieted emotions of my heart, as you were saying, where I felt anger or I felt small or something. I say, well, stop, like the pause, look, what is the truth? Mm -hmm. And then listen to the Holy Spirit. So that was one of the ways that really encouraged me to really get back to what I like to call the baseline of the truth of who we are in God. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So I still like really contemplating on just the enormity. I could really contemplate on this a lot, especially, you know, since we're just coming out of the Christmas season as a, why God chose to come as this little baby um, in such poverty I mean, it's still something I can contemplate. I mean, again, every season of, mm-hmm. of Advent and Christmas, it is still so mind-boggling to me. So can you give some insights of maybe yeah. your contemplations through the years on mm-hmm. the incarnation that way? Yeah. Well, I think the the person of the Trinity that became man is the Son. And we are called to be adopted ch- children mm-hmm. of God, sons and daughters. So... He has come to to show us the way. He has come to show us what it means to be daughters and sons of God. And when I look at Jesus, not only what he said, but what he did, is actually um, what he showed us what it means to be sons and daughters. If we go back to original sin, what was really hurt was trust in the Father. Don't trust him. Take what you need. Because he will not give it to you. And that has been going on all of our history. So we don't trust Mm. the Father and that he wants our good and he'll give us what is good. And Mm. so we rely on ourselves. I'll take what I need. I'll figure it out. I'll fix it. Um, And that's simply reinforced by our experiences and what is done to us or what we did. Looking at Jesus is so beautiful. Because he's just very vulnerable. He trusts the Father and his plan. And he chooses trust over everything else. And mm. that obedience. Oh, so, so I think that's, that's the beauty of looking at Jesus. But if he were only a model to follow, it'd be pretty despairing for us. Because he's Jesus, he's the Son of God. But he also gives us the grace because he lives in us to actually do that. So holiness is about not my virtues, but his virtues in me. It's the life of Christ lived in and through me. Right. You were saying since he's, you know, is, is God, sometimes for us it's a little less relatable. So uh, one of the perfect trust people that I go to so much, I've learned so much about trust is the Blessed Mother. Mm-hmm. Yes. So Kimberly Hahn had a Lighthouse CD about the Sorrowful Mother once. And I, I, I reflect on this so oftentimes when it comes to increasing trust in the Lord and she was saying that during the time, and, and correct me if I'm getting something the story wrong, but during the time of his um, his passion and death, mother, not only as a mother's heart was in, in grieving and, and in so much agony and pain, but there are some mystics that said that she she felt some of this pain in her in her body as well, and 
However, she had internally so much peace. But why did she have that peace? It was because she had perfect trust, trusting in the Father's plan. Uh, and that to me is such a, a wonderful thing. You know, she's human. She had perfect trust. So even amidst, and so that's like a, a something I think is so hard for me as a person to grasp that I can be in pain and very sorrowful and have peace. Yes, yes. It's possible, right? It's in, difficult to understand for the world in a worldly mentality, but the peace and even the joy come from the intimacy mm. with the Lord, His mm -hmm. presence, because He is our joy. You know, the purest moments of joy can actually come when things are not going right, but you realize it's brought to your awareness that He's right there with you. So true. So and nobody can take that away from you. Mm. So on the lines of trust, as um, if you were giving spiritual guidance, how would you discuss increasing trust um, for a person? Like, mm -hmm. I know there's everyone's different and it can manifest in different ways, but. Well, first of all, it's a grace to be asked. Everything you realize we don't have, it's as simple as asking for it. Mm. We're children. So ask, Jesus said, asking will be given to you. So if I need an increase of trust, I'll say, please, God, give me trust. Mm. So really, we need to be childlike and simple and just ask for what we need. And then just reminding ourselves this, that situations that are sort of dark for us or out of our control, they are the perfect places to actually learn trust mm. because it's right there asking You know, again, that grace and the help of the Holy Spirit and Mary and the saints. But where I can say, I trust in you and I'll surrender, even if it feels only on the lips, but you're still doing it with his help. That's how we grow in trust. We don't grow in trust when everything is under our control. There's no need for trust in that situation. Mm -hmm. But situations where actually things are out of our control, that's when I can trust. It's a grace, actually. I can, you know, just say, I trust in you. He's not going to fail us. When we ask, he will give. When I call for his help, he'll be present. Jesus is not going to fail us. Mm, so true. So it is increasing the trust is just by asking. And I like the simplicity of it. I um, The one thing that I feel is also connected to is that to giving over your will mm -hmm. um, to, to, to be in the present moment and allow God to really be in charge of your life and yes. and that surrender that goes on that part of our humanity our sin that we sometimes cling to too tightly is surrendering that aspect of yes. this as well the other aspect to consider is this growing up our parents told us to not trust those that, that we don't know they were right how can we trust jesus if we don't know him mm. i only trust people that i know and so that's where also that daily prayer comes in And it doesn't have to be four or five hours, like for a sister, but even just a little time every day where I can sit and be still and maybe read, read a, a book of meditation. There are beautiful ones out there. Um, the gospel of the day, the readings, allowing myself to know the Lord, open the door for him to show his face to me. I mean, he became man for that very reason, because then I can grow in trust because I grow in knowledge. So if I know, I trust. And if I trust, I will entrust myself. It's not mm -hmm. just a concept here. It's not, I'm just 
not just trust, trusting a truth as a concept. Truth is a person. Yeah, truth so is a person. Mm-hmm. And uh, I cannot know God by studying him, but by entering the relationship. And as you're talking about this, as we're talking about the increase in trust, it kind of brought an imagery to mind of a crescendo. When we desire that trust, it's usually an act of the will. Like we desire it. We we have a hard time understanding exactly what that is. But intellectually that we know that it is, we take it to prayer on a regular basis. And I just see it as this beautiful crescendo of it starts with the thought and the desire and then taking it to God it has this beautiful slow growth. It's usually not very rapid. I mean, our, our Lord is so gentle, but it is a slow increasing and crescendo in that kind of trust. Yes. And you want that your will is drawn to it because of the beauty, mm. because truth is also beauty. And so the more we get to know Jesus and we recognize and sense this beauty, of course our heart is moved to desire that. Mm. Our God doesn't push us, he attracts by love. Mm, so true. The gentleness we spoke of. Yes. Mm. So it, our daily life is really made of simple little choices that impact us a lot. Mm. Well, sister, as we've been talking about the incarnation and this month of January also, um, I like to kind of transition a little bit to talk about the baptism of our Lord and how that worked into God's plan as his example as well. Can you talk on that for a minute too? Yeah. Well, that's one of my favorite mysteries <laughs> <laughs> awesome. to, to contemplate actually, because once more I see in it that immersion of Jesus into our humanity and um, how he was not afraid to enter the Jordan River and to to enter our humanity and embrace it. And it's a moment when the Father speaks his blessing, you are my beloved son, but he speaks it after Jesus has entered the Jordan, not Mm. before. So Jesus immersed himself, embraced our humanity. If If you have been to the Holy Land, when I was there, I don't know if it's always like that, but it's pretty murky, <laughs> the Jordan River. <laughs> so <laughs> you can't really see. And um, so a good image for our humanity sometimes and how complex it can be or, or wounded. But Jesus entered and in coming out, when he has embraced that humanity, it's when the Father speaks the blessing upon him, right? So I look at the mission of Jesus, of salvation for us, really also as him being this the priest, right? So the one that gives the sacred things, the mediator that passes down to us the blessing. The father wants to bless and does nothing else but that. He keeps blessing us. And so Jesus is the channel through which we receive it. Mm. We should just close the umbrellas and receive the rain of the blessing because <laughs> God is not holding back. Um, but it is in that blessing that Jesus then starts moving in his mission. He receives his identity. You are my beloved son. And with that, he entered the mission. How can we face life without the blessing? Mm. If we still believe lies about ourselves, and that's a journey for all of us, right? We're all still with that. But if I move through my life thinking I'm bad, I'm not good enough, I'm wanted, it's a difficult way of moving. But receiving the blessing, I'm the beloved daughter, Yes, I can sin, 
I make mistakes, but I'm not a sin and I'm not a mistake. I remain the beloved daughter. Then you move out of the truth and blessing. You move through life in a different way. Then you can accomplish the mission. We have a mission. Not only Jesus had a mission, each one of us has a mission of love, mm. a unique one. But the way to move into that is really believing the blessing, believing my identity, and then going in the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I want to remind our listeners that you are listening to Red Sea Catholic Radio on KEDC 88.5 in the Brazos Valley, KYAR 98.3 in Central Texas, KINF 107.9 in Palestine, and we appreciate you listening today. Now, Sister, one of the, the um, virtues in there that I could really hear, and I'd love to explore that because this is so Jesus, is the obedience his obedience in the baptism and just everything he did. And and I like to try and look at how that translates to us in our humanity. Um, I think it's a hard concept a lot of times for most people to either hear it and they kind of cringe from the obedience, um, but kind of unpack this a little bit and, and restore what this really means for us as Christians, this obedience that Christ showed us in the Jordan. Yes, I think to understand obedience, we need to ask for the grace of a purification of the image of God that we have. Because if my idea of God is someone that either doesn't want really my good or is going to propose a miserable life to me or yeah, anything like that, mm. why would I go to him first? And why would I obey something that I fear as bad? I'll just try to get what is good for myself by myself, as it happened in the Garden of Eden. But when we are relating to a God that is Father and that loves me and knows what my good is, then obedience is easier, quote-unquote, right? Mm. Because I desire, in, in the end, His will and my will in a purified heart, they are the same. The same. It's because, again, we don't live in our heart. We don't even know what our deepest desires are. And, you know, still some purification there is needed. Um, so obedience, really, in Jesus is so beautiful and shining because he loves the Father and is one with the will of the Father. And he knows that the Father wants the good. And so in, in that case, you move with that. Something also that I've been reflecting upon obedience is this, okay? So the Father has authority. So the whole universe, and then you see f the structure of a family, of a community, there's a hierarchy that is reflecting the hierarchy. Mm -hmm. with, you know, Amen. Right? So <laughs> yeah. that authority of God the Father brings order because God created things not in chaos. There's order. There's harmony. And so... Being in obedience means staying under the authority, the protection, the order of God the Father. Mm. We disobey because we see things, you know, we, we miss the aim. I think, oh, I know it better. This is going to be good. And I want to be in control because we are afraid. But in reality, by doing that, we go outside of the authority of the Father and of his beautiful order. So I think I'm in control, but usually I'm in chaos. But when I obey and I surrender, 
I'm not entering into chaos or losing control of things. I'm entering to the order of God. Mm. So, of course, the enemy tempts us, making us think that if you surrender, it's going to be chaos. You lose control. And that's so false. I'm just entering the order of God. Mm. And being under his protection is my father. Growing up was a beautiful experience for me to know that I was under the protection of my dad. He was caring for me. Mm-hmm. And every time I stayed and obeyed, I was under the protection. So beautiful. I see this as you're saying that definitely the father structure in our families. And I think that it, that's a whole nother show probably mm-hmm. about um, having that order in our family. So that's maybe a topic for another time because there is under the protection. And yeah. I think that God's rules in the Ten Commandments, I love talking about the Ten Commandments too, um, because it, it it is again... Um, understanding God, the Father, a loving Father, He says this because He desires the very best for us and not because He's a taskmaster and and wants our lives to be difficult. So yeah, I, I like that shift in thinking about that obedience. And it can come in very small ways. And, and I love that, again, we talk about Mother Church and obedience to the things that she's asked of us, like, uh, you know, Sundays is our holy her holy daily obligation each week and, and things like this that she's she's laid out to help us to be uh, disciplined in a beautiful way. Yeah. I like the image of the bed of the river, right? If you don't have the bed, the water will just stagnate or become marshes. Mm-hmm. But with the bed, then the water can flow inside the bed and it, rivers are beautiful, they're useful, And then they go where they need to go, to the sea or into the lake. God has given us that order um, for us to actually be able to grow. Mm. Even in the experience of children, I have my sister Stefania. She's a teacher in elementary school back in Italy. She notices how troubled children are when at home they don't have rules. When they never hear a no said to them. Sometimes really difficult um, problems that has, you know, have to be brought to the psychologist and things like that. Because it's scary for a child not to know limits, mm. not to have rules. And so they, they, they want that. Yes, we can scream as children, but they give us that order and that capacity to grow in an orderly way. Mm. Um, otherwise, it's it's a really scary world because right, you don't know promotes, you don't know the you don't know the limits. It, it promotes the safety yeah. aspect, and that's what God our Father wants for us as well. Yeah. So. Mm. And so, also with these uh, incarnation, and then the baptism, so beautiful. I think reflecting on our own baptisms and. One of the things that um, that I've always I've been inspired to sometimes is if we have loved ones that um, are just really not living out their baptismal promises, like like I we really think that they're called to according to God's plan to 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 kind of speak to that sacrament within them. Sister, have you ever ever heard of that kind of thing? Is that is that a thing where you could actually say, you know? Um, Lord, with my loved one, like they have the sacrament of baptism that lives within them. Please um, flame it up or, you know, mm-hmm. fluff up the flame and the confirmation as well to to have them be the person that you're creating them to be. Yeah. There's a beauty in interceding for others. You know, that's part of being sons and daughters of the Father. So we are brothers and sisters. The Father desires 
that we pray for each other. When we pray for someone, we're not trying to convince God to be on our team or to do something good for them. We are praying because he has convinced us to do something good for them. Mm. So we don't intercede by trying to get God on our team. He's already, he's already on he's our team. trying to get us on, our, on his mm. team. Mm. Mm-hmm. So, so when we intercede, it's beautiful because then each one will do it according to her and his heart. Mm-hmm. Intercessors are unique. They, the place of intercession is the heart of Jesus and Mary, of course. They are the intercessors. We just tag along. <laughs> but <laughs> then it's beautiful to see how each one does it in a unique way. So you feeling inspired to appeal to the sacraments received, it's the way God inspires you to pray for them. Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful. Yeah. Right. I want to I kind of get back a little bit um, before we wrap up the end of the show on the Blessed Mother and her role um, with the Incarnation as well as the baptism and where she was and all of this. Can you shed some light on that for us? Blessed Mother is, in my personal experience, I've grown into the relationship with her because I grew up, I think, more in the, just Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And I can't imagine my life without her, actually. Uh, Because she is my mother and she forms Jesus in us. And she shapes our hearts and she protects us. Um, what I like of Mary is she's very sweet, of course, and tender, all the images. At the t- same time, she's powerful. So Mary has fire in her heart. And just her docility, I think her like constantly moving in great poverty. Mm. She always kept her hands open, never hold onto anything. So that great poverty, that made her very rich because she was always ready at every moment to receive fully the grace and the abundance of grace and to move as the Holy Spirit was asking her to move. Mm. We stay stuck even in the five minutes before, but Jesus Mm. said that yesterday, but my grace yesterday was that. (laughs) And just that openness to the now. Here and now. Mary is the woman of the here and now. Oh, the present moment. Yeah, of the present moment. And that's how she, she was able to be led herself um, by Jesus. She was contemplating him in the manger. And I have a sense that she was sort of trained by him. By contemplating him as he was growing, she was prepared and strengthened to actually contemplate him on the cross. That must have been very, very, very painful for a mm. mother. But she had always been contemplating him and looking at him. But having that peace of heart nonetheless. Yeah, such mm-hmm. a tender mother. Um, I think it's it's good to note too, like uh, to describe um, in your way, you were saying that you grew up and it was Jesus, the center, and Mary was kind of like oh, wasn't she that, came was along. not in your eyes. <laughs> yeah, but I think that's really good, you know, for listeners and, you know, myself as a convert, that was a concept for me that was, oh, what is that about? Um, so let's talk about if someone desires during this new year of 2020 to it's like, what does it mean to have a relationship with the Blessed Mother? What are some things that you would suggest to him or her as a way to understand or get to know the Blessed Mother? Yeah. And- well, again, just asking for that grace. If my heart is stirred to want to know Mary more or I'm thinking about that, it means there's a movement of the Holy Spirit right there calling to something. And so asking for that grace, I desire to know you more. And maybe 
you were simply not very present, or maybe I have prejudices. Everyone is a different place. So I bring this all to you, and I desire to be in a relationship with you, mother. Who doesn't want a mother? And so asking, asking mm-hmm. for that. And then in simplicity, spending some time. Um, books about Mary can help. Mm. But again, she's a person. I cannot just simply study about her. That can help. But then it's like spending some time with her. The rosary for me is just a way of spending time with Mary and roaming around the scene of that, you know, mystery of the life of Christ with her and ask her, what do you want me to see here, mother? Because you know him so well and you want me to love him. So the desire of Mary is that we grow so deep into the intimacy with Jesus. Mm -hmm. She's transparency of God. You look at Mary, you see God Mm -hmm. because she leads you to him. So she's the perfect, the perfect companion and mother and help for us to grow closer to Christ. And she helps us when we are scared. And then, yeah, so. Right. That is kind of one of my personal reflections as a, as a young mother, um, wanting to know her better. I would just reach out when I had no idea how to mother um, and ask her to please inspire my thoughts. And I think that's one of the more beautiful ways that she has really communicated with me throughout the years is I ask her to just inspire my thoughts and, and move my heart um, in the direction that yeah. would lead closer to Jesus, either for myself or for my family. Yeah. She teaches that vulnerability and, you know, when we see her at the cross, she is strong staying there. But the strength that she has, she's receiving from Jesus himself. Mm. It's that mystery, right? So she receives that strength from him. And at the same time, she offers him a place of rest. So that's beautiful. That's also for us. There's no need to be afraid of our weakness and poverty. Mm. It's a perfect place for being filled. Only what is empty can be filled. Well, sister, with um, to wrap up the end of this, you we had, you talked a couple of times. We've spoken about different books, and I love to read books because I do feel like that mm-hmm. is a beautiful way to pray as well. And um, we can start with a suggestion you may have for the Blessed Mother, a book on the Blessed Mother that you feel uh, enters into maybe her life really well. And I have a new suggestion as well. So. There's one that's. Um sort of theological, Father Raniero Cantalamessa, the, the preacher of the people household, is a Franciscan uh, from Italy. He wrote the Mary, a mirror of the church. I think there's something by Ignacio Laragnaga on the silence of Mary, but I don't remember precisely. And we'll I don't know if it's translated because I read it in Italian. Okay. So. I'll look that one up. Mm-hmm. Mine is Mary as Seen Through the Mystics by the Mystics. Yeah. It's a compilation. There's beautiful. a beautiful book by Carol Hauslander, The mm. Read of God. It is a great companion, especially for Advent and Christmas. Okay, and the other one, book that you mentioned, a book of meditations. Do you have some favorites? Maybe I like, for like a beginner yeah. and for an intermediate. I really like Jacques Philippe, Father Jacques Philippe's mm-hmm. book, um, Searching for Maintaining Peace interior freedom, uh, in the school of the Holy Spirit, a time for God. They're small, uh, simple in the way they're written, but really deep and beautiful. And then Henry Nowen, uh, the prodigal son, um, beloved, um, life of the beloved. Those mm-hmm. are other very, very good ones. 
So there's a whole series of uh, in conversation with God that has like daily commentaries mm. uh, on the readings of Mass. That's very beautiful. The, mm-hmm. the other one that comes to mind is um, the one on uh, meditations on St. John of the Cross, Seeking the Beloved. Mm. Beautiful as well. Really enjoyed that one. Well, speaking of really enjoyed, um, I've really enjoyed our time together today, Sister. I, I pray for you and your apostolate and all the sisters. Um, I'm so very grateful and I feel very blessed by God that we are here in St. Mary's Catholic Center, that we will be able to um, tap into the wisdom that God is giving you and those graces um, to be able to teach on his behalf. And so I really, I thank you so very much for being here today. Thank you for inviting me. Just enjoy the conversation. Thank you so much. Oh, you're very welcome. I hope you'll come back again. And that is the end of our show today. Uh, We thank you so much for listening. We pray that it has blessed you. And until then, ladies and gentlemen, go and love your neighbor.